0: that word and we think of positivity or wishful thinking but hope is something different it's greater it's better and it's more hope is choosing to wait for God to bring his goodness into our lives it's remembering his faithfulness in our past and trusting his plans for our future hope rises when we encounter the light that shatters the darkness and when the long-awaited Messiah makes his home with us It's an invitation for every person, and it's here, now, because Jesus is here, now. This is hope. Welcome to Christmas. Good morning. This week, we start our Advent series, and we're talking about hope this morning. And as we look at Advent, uh, Fred Grissom, he says this. He writes, Advent, word with Latin roots, meaning, coming. Christians of the early generation spoke of the Advent of the Lord, which refers to God's becoming incarnate in Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus' coming for the first time is what we're celebrating, what we remember, the coming of Jesus Christ. In Genesis, when sin entered the world, we see God's first promise. We see one of his first promises immediately in Genesis. And we read in Genesis 3.15, it says this, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and he will strike you and you will strike his heel. See, right from the beginning, God's promise was to send his son, Jesus. He promises to send his son, not just to be with us, but to crush the enemy. So as we already prayed this morning for whatever situation you're walking through, whatever difficulty that you are in, Jesus came not just to walk with you through it, but he came actually to destroy the enemy. This was his promise. See, enmity actually means this, the state or feeling of being actively oppressed or hostile, sorry, actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. This is who Jesus is towards Satan. He is actively hostile. I know when we see Jesus and we think of uh, Christmas time, we see a little baby in a manger. Or when we think of Jesus, we see a guy walking around carrying a lamb. And he looks so gentle and so kind. And everybody just thinks we should just curl up and sit on his lap. But that's not the Jesus that we serve. Does he love you? Yes. Does he care for you? Yes. Is he gentle? Yes. But you have to remember that he has come for you and I to have victory. And victory comes with a little bit of competition. A little bit of a fight. A little bit of a battle. I don't know about you, but when you read scripture, it talks about one time where uh, Jesus was teaching in a city, and they walked him out of the city. They were so against him. They walked him out of the city. They got him towards a cliff. They were going to push him off the cliff. And then all the scripture says is this. Jesus turned and walked through them, And left. I want you to think about that. There is a crowd of people about to push a man off a cliff. And all the man does is turn around and walk through them. Now remember this. How many of you have ever seen a construction guy who like um, a framer that frames a house? I don't know about you. I don't know too many framers that are out of shape. Right? There's not a lot of framers, carpenters that you know that are out of shape. And then what you have to realize is this. Today they have power tools. Jesus, the one who saved you, the one who came to rescue you, was a carpenter for 30 years. And it's not like today where they start working in the work field when they're 25. He starts probably when he was five years old helping his dad. There's one picture I've seen of Jesus uh, working in a carpentry shop and it shows him with like no sleeves and he is just jacked. (laughs) That's the God I serve. That's the Lord that I pray to. That's the one who walks with me through the darkness. We talked a long time ago, if you meet a group of people in a dark alley, you immediately kind of get nervous. But the moment that you're walking with somebody who is big, you don't get as nervous. I've told you about a friend of mine, his name was Tiny, and he was not Tiny. Tiny. And I remember going to an Ottawa 67s game in Ottawa and we went into the washrooms and when we finished using the washroom, what you have to realize is when to walk into it, you stepped in a door and then you turn and you walk this narrow hallway to get into where the washrooms were. And I was like, it's been in between the hockey period. So it's crowded, right? We turn to walk in it and there's people coming down and tiny goes first. Cause when we're in a crowd, we just walk behind them what we did It's like just follow when we turned to walk into the washroom i saw past tiny and there's about three people coming down this narrow hallway and they were about two three steps in and the moment they saw him they did this <laughs> and all of us walked in that's the god i serve that's the hope that you have That's the promise of a savior coming to defeat an enemy and crush his head. Yes, he is a gentle giant who will pick kids up and hold them. And that's why he says, don't don't stop the kids from coming to me. But I think sometimes when we're in situations and we pray and ask God to move, we see the little Jesus holding a sheep. And we don't see the Jack Carpenter walking through the crowd who wanted to hurt him. So all of a sudden, we see a scary situation and we're like, what are we going to do? And we forget who our God is. And that he came. Not just to die for us, but God promised that He will put enmity between the woman and Satan and His offspring, and He will crush Satan's head. That's your God. That's the hope you have today. It was Jesus' mission to come and do this. And He's still on our side today. And he wants to fill our lives with hope. So our hope is not just meant to be lived in a way to avoid sin. Your job as a Christian, your responsibility now that you're saved is not just to live in a way that, I didn't sin today. I can go to bed. Or you know what? I sinned a little bit. That table just dropped. (laughs) (laughs) Might as well just confess as it happened. Your mission is not just to avoid sin. But to live a life doing God's will. And for you to live a life doing God's will, you have to know who's on your side. Because if you're like me and you forget who God is, you forget who Jesus is, you forget who the one that is walking with you, you will chicken out. When we remember who's walking with us, it gives us courage. Because I don't have to be brave, I have to trust in Jesus. That's it. I have to trust in Jesus and have hope in Him. So, this first advent is about hope. And the Israelites had hope. Their hope was that the Messiah was coming. Our hope today is the same that Jesus is coming back. He is coming back. So as we remember this morning, the advent of Jesus' first coming, we have to remember that we also still have the excitement of him coming again. As Alec and Alicia already read, it says in Isaiah 9, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness, on them the light has shined. See, the world that we live in without Jesus is dark. And see, darkness is just the absence of light. The absence of Jesus. John 8, 1 to 2, uh, John eight twelve. it says this. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said... I am the light of the world. See, when you read this scripture after Isaiah, it kind of puts it in a different context. I think too often, again, when we read this scripture verse, we immediately go back to just a good Sunday school song. So light of mine. And he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will. You need to hear this word never. Never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You will have the light of life. You and I we no longer in darkness. Walk in darkness we walk in light. So where you walk, you bring light. Where you walk, darkness has to vanish. See, John 1, 5, it says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Darkness can't put light out. It has to block it. It has to get rid of it. It can't put it out. So wherever you go, you are the light. When I was doing basic training with the military, they put us in a a building that didn't really allow any light in. And then they gave us some of the coolest toys to play with, night vision. And so we had to sit there and they put, we put these night vision goggles on. And immediately you could start to see people in the room. And then what they would do to show us, to make sure that we understood the power of it, they would light a match. Because it wasn't just, hey, you can see in the darkness. It was, if you're about to encounter light, you need to take them off and so they would light a match and then our instructors would light a cigarette now I don't know about you but in a room this size pitch black a match doesn't do much a cigarette doesn't do much but we have night vision on it is really bright See, you're not called to walk into a room as a spotlight. You can ease up off that pressure from yourself. Terry came to me during worship and she said what she was seeing was these massive footprints in the ground. And it was where God stepped and he's telling us to go. And too many of us are looking going, I can't fill that footprint. But you don't have to. Because see, the moment you step in it, God feels all around your foot. The hope that you have is not in yourself. If the hope that you have is in yourself, you're right. It's going to feel impossible. If I only hoped on myself, if I only trusted in myself to do what God has called me to do, I would fail. I probably actually wouldn't leave my house. But I just have to be A candle. And see, if I walk around with this candle in dark places, I will have light. And I will change the environment in the room because I brought light into it. You and I aren't called to be spotlights, but we are called to be a light. Now, here's the amazing thing. And you see it every Christmas Eve. It's a beautiful moment. You see it at concerts. You see it at all these different things. If every one of us, now we have cell phones and with flashlights so that we don't pull out lighters. Because if you weren't a smoker, you're like, well, I'm out of it. But if all of a sudden, everybody in this room pulled out their cell phone, turned their flashlight on, it would get brighter in here. But if we turned off all the lights and we only turned one on, we'd be like, oh, I see a light. But here's the amazing thing how God has called us. We are one body. We're the body of Christ. So in this room right now, we have over just 200 candles. Do you know how bright 200 candles are? Do you know how hot 200 candles are? This is why they started making numbers for birthday cakes. So there's only two candles on the cake and nobody feels bad. We're even at a point where we reverse the numbers just for fun. Nobody believes you. I finally caught on when my grandfather kept telling me his age backwards that I was like, man, he looks young. And then finally somebody's like, he's telling you backwards. (laughs) All of us together, you go from a candle to what I would call like a watchtower. You become so bright. We disturb darkness so well. This is why we are told to let our light shine. Matthew five fourteen says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. A lighthouse put on top of a hill, is there to help people to know where shore is so that they don't hit it. I also believe it's there so if you're in trouble, you know where shore is, you can find it. Many times, Bethel has been prophesied over and we've been called a light for Stratford. Not only a light, but because of our location, we've been called gatekeepers to our city. Because to get into our city, you drive past us. Can you imagine the impact that we would have on Stratford and St. Mary's if every one of us wasn't afraid to let our light shine no matter where you are now I know many good solid religious believers in the room are like no no I let my light shine wherever I am I'm willing to bet there's certain places where you all of a sudden go I don't know if I'm going to share my opinion on that I think I'm outnumbered in the room so I'm going to be quiet Which I don't necessarily say is wrong, but are we letting our light shine? Do those people know what we believe? How well does our light shine? See, some of you, you might say, Chad, I want to let my light shine. Chad, I want to step into those footprints. Chad, I want to do these things, but you don't know what I've done. You don't even know what I've done this week. You don't know what I did yesterday, Chad. Actually, Chad, you don't know who I waved at with one finger this morning driving to church. But don't worry, I ask for forgiveness before I walk through the doors. Can I tell you one of my favorite verses growing up? And it's still one of my favorite today. I've actually memorized this. And when I tell you where it's found, maybe somebody else in the room has memorized a verse from this book. But I'm not sure if you have. It's in the book Micah. Chapter 7, verse 8, and it says this. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. This verse encourages me. So it doesn't matter if I made a mistake. It doesn't matter if I've messed up. It doesn't matter if I've sinned. It doesn't matter what I've done. Enemy, do not rejoice over me depending on your version, don't gloat over me. Yeah, I messed up. Yeah, this is what I did yesterday. This is what I did actually driving to church. I'm so glad they turned off a Canadian tire and didn't see me turn into Bethel. Don't rejoice over me. Because although I did that, I'm going to rise And though I feel even in the moment that I'm in darkness, the Lord is my light. Jesus walks in front of me. He has my back. He has my sides. I am completely surrounded. I will rise. And I will not only have Jesus as my light in the darkness, I will become ignited and I will be light in the darkness. And I will take it places. This is the hope that we have in Jesus. Because, see, it's never too late to turn to Him. It's never too late. And you've never asked for forgiveness too many times. God wants to bring light into your darkest situations, He just needs an invite. He just needs you to invite him. This is our hope that when we invite Jesus Christ in, he comes and he brings his light. He brings his perspective to our lives and we will live according to his will. We hope for his salvation. Romans 8 24, 25 says, For in this hope we were saved, but by hope, that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have yet, we wait for it patiently. If you're here and you're like, Chad, I've been waiting for a long time. This is the hope that we have in Christ. We sang about it, that he is a way maker. He is a healer. Even when you don't see it, even when you don't feel it, he is still working. Here's how I can tell you that he's still working on you. Do me a favor. If you're in the room, if you're at home, you can do it too. And if you're sitting beside somebody who doesn't do it, you have permission to do it to them. Okay? Just pinch yourself. If the person beside you did not pinch themselves, you have permission to pinch them. And if they look at you meanly, just say, next time, he just asked gently, pinch yourself. So how many people felt a pinch? If you don't have your hand up, if they don't raise their hand that they didn't feel a pinch, can you do me a favor and pinch them? How many people felt a pinch? All right. I see some hands down. I'd love to see people pinch them just for fun. (laughs) If you raised a hand, you felt a pinch. Here's how I know God's working on you. You're alive. We laugh at that comment because I think some of us go, oh, that's funny. But if you are alive, he's working on you because he wants to work through you. I know it normally gets quiet at that point. He's working on you because he wants to work through you. Every one of you is a light for Jesus Christ. And we need you. He needs you to shine your light wherever you go. Because your light brings a different perspective. See, it's hard to trust that Jesus is working because we don't see him. I don't know about you, but if I could see Jesus, I want to say it would be easier for me to believe. But then I also watch the 11 disciples who were with him the whole time that ran away. So I don't know if my honest Response would be, you know what, if I walk with Jesus physically, if he was right beside me, I could trust him more. Because I have too many examples in the Bible that didn't. Their flesh still took over, like yours and mine. Fear still grabbed them. So don't beat yourself up. Your hope is still in Jesus Christ. It's the promise that God gave us, that he came to defeat the enemy, that you and I can have salvation. Began reading at the beginning, Fred Grissom's quote, and I want to read it to you again, but we're going to read more of it this time. It says, the Advent word with Latin roots meaning coming. Christians of the early generation spoke of the advent of the Lord and of His second advent. The first phrase refers to God's becoming incarnate in Jesus of Nazareth. The latter refers to sorry, the latter phrase speaks to, of Jesus' second coming. In a second sense, "advent designates a period before Christmas when Christians prepare for the celebration of Jesus' birth. This practice may have begun in some churches as early as the late 4th century. Advent began at a time, as a time of fasting. Sermons focused on the wonder of the incarnation. By the middle age, four Sundays had become the standard length of Advent. Since then, Advent has been considered to be the beginning of the church year. It's been designed and meant for us to begin. Some of us should fast. And not just remember Jesus coming. One of the things I say all the time, and it's my honest heart, is I cannot celebrate Christmas without thinking of Easter. Because, see, Jesus never came for this, He didn't come here for this, this is just where He was born. He came with one purpose. And that was to bring us hope, to bring us salvation. He came for you and I, but he came to die. He came to die for us. We remember his birth. We remember his death. We look forward and we have hope to his second coming. Jesus came and restored a relationship for the Father. Now, we wait for his second coming. We do not know when he is coming, because Revelations 16, 15, it says this, Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is is he who watches. Too often, I think, we say, okay, I'll, I'll... I'll have a better relationship with God next year. I'll have more time with him next week. Maybe you're here and it's like, I'll, com- I'll give my life to Jesus next year or I'm just not ready to be with Jesus yet. I'm not sure if I want to make that commitment yet. See, he uses the words coming as a thief because none of you have been robbed knowingly. None of you would have come to church this morning if your neighbor said, hey, by the way, the other neighbor said they're going to break into your house and steal everything you have Sunday morning while you're at church. All of a sudden, you'd be like, hey, I'm going to watch the live stream at home. Because none of you would let your stuff, your home, your car, anything be stolen knowingly. Jesus says, he's coming as a thief. You don't know when he's going to come. John Bevere tells a story of he had a young man sitting in his office, and he, he tells this man, he's begging this man to be give his heart to the Lord, give his heart to Jesus Christ. And the man says, you know what, not now, I'll do it later. He got out of, left his office, got on his vehicle, left, got in an accident and died. I know it's not the most hopeful, encouraging story this morning. But do you understand that none of us are promised to be here tomorrow? Do you understand? I'm not even promised to finish this sermon. This is why we have to make sure every day we have our lives right with the Father. Because Jesus is returning, we just don't know when. We have hope. Hope is defined as this, it says, in scripture, a confident expectation for the future, describing both the act of hoping and the object hoped for. When grounded in God, hope provides the motivation to live the Christian life Even in the face of trouble. I love the fact that Alicia referenced that Jesus told us that we will have trouble in this life. So if you're going through a challenge or you're walking through a difficult time, please don't question your salvation. Don't question your relationship with God. Jesus said that we will have trouble. Sometimes we walk through challenging times just so we draw closer to God. Because I don't know about you, but when life is going really well for me, it's really easy to drift. But it's amazing how important prayer comes when we hit hard times. How many of us don't raise your hand for this one and actually don't pinch your neighbor either? But have you ever caught yourself, or maybe you're like me and you're tired of saying it, but you're like, you know what? We tried all these things and then finally we prayed. Like if we're honest, like don't get me wrong. I know we all pray about it where we're like, Lord, help us with this. And then I'm just gonna go try to do it myself. And then we hit a point where we go, man, I actually really need to pray. You know, I'm actually gonna fast and pray. Our hope even in difficult times is in the Father, when it's rooted and it's grounded in God, our hope is in the process. This Advent season, ask God to help you in the process. Help you walking through it to give you hope in every situation. Believing God is still working, even though you don't see him. God is still fighting our battles. That's his promise right in Genesis. So Jesus didn't come. Sorry, Jesus came, laid down his life and restored our relationship. And the hope of which we have today is that Jesus is coming back and he's still fighting for us. Let's pray. Pray to him if you're in the room, if you'll just come and join me across the front. Father, this morning, I pray for every one of us in this room and watching online that just need that hope, that strengthening in the waiting, Father God. That's going to encourage us to wait on you, to trust you that you're going to work in our hearts and work in our lives. That, Lord, you're going to strengthen us. And so, Father, I pray for everyone in the room that just needs hope in the process. And so, Lord, give them strength in Jesus' name. Amen. As we begin to walk through this Advent series, um, December the 1st, we're actually going to put online, we're going to send it out in an email uh, through you Version, a devotional that we can read together. And if you want to join that, you can read with us. And the way it's going to work is there's a day, uh, uh, devotion for every day. And also on the dates that line up with the Sunday, that's what we're going to be referencing and speaking on. So December 1st, as you go to read, you'll see that it talks about the first promise of God. And so if you want to do this together, I believe it's just going to be a great time as a church to read together and to walk through Advent together. And so this morning, if you've come and you just need extra prayer, I want to encourage you to come and let these people pray with you. They've been ready all week. And praying this morning wanting just to engage with you in prayer. So don't leave here the same way you walked in. If we talked about hope and leaning onto the promises of God. And you're struggling in those areas. Or maybe you just need a physical touch. Or you just need encouragement. Come and let them pray with you. That's how we strengthen one another. And so let's close in prayer. Will you stand with me? Father, as we start the Advent series. Lord, as we remember you coming. Lord, today let us leave here hopeful. Let us leave here with our light shining. Let us be a light for you wherever we go. That, Father, we understand that one candle might not be too bright. But, Father, as we walk together, Lord, we can brighten a whole room. So let us be a light for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you. And that you come back and check out next week's message as well.